The Super Speedway Podcast is a Dream Bigger Media production. For news, photos, show notes, and information about advertising on the podcast, visit www.thesuperspeedway.com. Welcome to the Super Speedway. Welcome to episode 67 of the Super Speedway podcast recorded Tuesday, July 20, July 3rd, 2018. See, I already screwed it up. I am your host, Eric <laughs> Young. I'm joined as always by my co-host, James Cush. James, how are you this week? I'm doing good, man. You, you came into the podcast leaking confidence and <laughs> you made it you made it a good seven words in. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's just the way that's the way we like to roll around here. It's OK. Exactly. Well, let's see how it goes from here. Uh, this weekend, all three NASCAR series traveled to Chicagoland Speedway, one of pretty much fans least favorite tracks on the circuit. One that has produced basically no exciting finishes since it opened in 2001. Kyle Busch managed to get his fifth win of the season in the Cup Series. And it was just another boring Chicagoland race, right, James? Well, you got to see history, man. Yeah, here, here we go. This is this is the end. And there's the gap between one and two. Kyle Busch, and here comes Larson. Larson to the bottom of the track. Slide job. Trying to take the lead away. Slide job. They tuck. Busch is in the wall. They get away and race down the back shoot. They're side by side again, going into three for the lead. Larson has the advantage. Kyle Busch gets into the back oven. Both of them in the wall. Larson stays in the gas. He spins to the bottom and they're side by side. The 18 into the wall. The 42 sideways. Where's Harvick? Here comes the 18. And Kyle Busch will score the win after getting together with Kyle Larson. Oh, my man. What a race. All right. Is it just me or do you get chills listening to that too? That's the best call I've heard in a, quite a few years. Oh, that it was, was good. so good. It was so good. So, yes, we did not get an ex, a, a normal, boring Chicagoland race this weekend. As a matter of fact, we got three excellent Chicagoland races, and I was there, so maybe I have a differing view than other people, but I don't think anybody's arguing about the cup race, that at least the ending made it uh, pretty spectacular and probably probably the best Chicagoland race ever for the cup series. Um, yeah, it was, I mean... I think everything aligned and we had one of those races that we needed in NASCAR. We finally got it. What do you think? Yeah, it's one of those NASCAR has this happen every so often when the lights are on um, on the big stage and we had Dale Jr. in the booth and people are tuning in to watch and we got the finish we needed and it just it all worked out and it was fantastic. And I mean, I don't know what else to say that that clip pretty much says it off. If you don't have. Uh, the hair on the back of your neck standing up after that one, uh, you know, you're not listening to the right podcast. Yeah. What was what was Kyle's comment? If you if you didn't like that, you probably should just watch something else or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the NASCAR uh, NASCAR <sighs> Twitter account doubled down on it and uh, <laughs> said the same. So I was like, OK, all yeah, right, this is good. It was it was spectacular. Um, I will make a confession before we start talking about the race. I didn't. I was there. I was I was there live. I watched the race from the press box. I watched the end on a TV screen because I was on my way down the elevator to get, because there's no tunnel in the front stretch at Chicago. You got to go all the way to turn one for the tunnel. So they open the gate after the race is done and you can cross the track. So I was trying to get down there and beat the elevator traffic in the tower. So I was riding down as they were talking about the lap traffic and Newman getting in the way. And I'm listening to it on the scanner listening to the TV broadcast and I came out of the elevator at the moment they were getting the white flag watching on a TV screen and then immediately ran out to the front stretch fence to get, which I didn't post on, on the super speedway channel. I, I should on, the, on that page um, to get video of Kyle coming out of the car and celebrating with the fans and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I watched on TV just like everybody else, even though I was there. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just fantastic. It's just a, it's just classic, I guess (laughs) it it was pretty great. So Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson battle it out to the finish. Uh, Kyle Busch outduels Larson gets into the back of him going into the turn, um, going into turn three, I guess let's start here. And I know there's been so much talk about this. Everybody's gone crazy about it. I listened to Sirius all the way home yesterday. Everybody's been talking about it. This has been analyzed and torn apart and looked at 50 different ways and whatever. But we're going to do it anyway because, I mean, when was the last time we had a finish like this? So, yeah. first of all, 
was what happened racing? Was it over the line? Was this okay? What do we think? Um, man, I wish we could just enjoy it without having, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I think we can because I think, I think it was racing, man. That, 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 yep. And that response answers the question for me too. It's, that's just, that's just good racing. We just don't see it that much anymore. And no. I don't know if it's shot, it shocks people or what, but, um, man, just good, just good racing. They raced each other clean. Uh, you, well, you can you can have contact right. and still be racing clean. Right. And nobody Kyle was Bush, rushing yeah. anybody. They were just trying no, to slow no. each other down. Exactly. Larson slid up into Kyle, but it's not like he, you know, there's a difference between giving him the fender and hooking somebody. Right. And that was just good side by side wheel banging NASCAR racing. Well, that's that's a good point to do this. Okay. So uh, there was a lot of talk. I heard a lot of the Kyle Busch haters say. As a matter of fact, I had a friend on my Facebook page that's like, Kyle Busch wrecked, wrecked Larson. Larson came and went into the corner. He tried to pass him on the inside. He got loose and accidentally got into him. Okay, no. <laughs> no, that's, that's not That's not what happened. Here's a clip from the press conference. This is the first thing Larson said when he got into the press conference after the race. Uh, the, the contact was intentional. So here's what Larson had to say. No, I mean, I wasn't really trying to make it in front of him. Um, you know, I figured if I ran in there to try and clear him, I would have had to slow down so much to not hit the wall that he would have just turned underneath me and, and it wouldn't even been a battle to the wind. So, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I didn't initially go in there planning to, to run into the side of him, but when I ran in there and, and figured I wasn't going to have enough momentum to clear him and get going, uh, yeah, I kind of made the plan to, to try and squeeze into him to bog him down and it worked. Um, just, uh, you know, he was, he was able to, Get back to my back bumper into three. So, I assume from your comments on TV, you're okay with what he did. Yeah, I mean, I I hit him first, so um, I roughed him up. He roughed me up. Uh, that's racing. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah, me <laughs> that's, too. That's the quote of the weekend, right there. So yeah, Larson yeah. Larson meant to hit him. Um, he did say in a couple of the interviews, and I think he said it in the press conference too, that he he might have hit him a little harder than he planned to do. But he did plan to get into him, plan to try and slow him down. Um, so let's not let's not play this whole Kyle Larson is innocent in this deal because no. he's not. There's no yeah. There's no and there's no nobody's guilty here right, either. Exactly. It's just, yeah, this guy's just wheels up. And you know, I was thinking about this too. Um, there's not there's a handful of drivers in that garage area who have the skills <laughs> that these two guys have that could pull off such a. I mean. They were fender banging, wheel banging, and it was calculated. Right. The two of them were both, you know, the two of them were both pulling it off. And then, you know, Larson, after Kyle Busch, you know, Kyle Busch hits him square in the rear end, and that's, you know, that's fine. Hit him yep. square. Uh, Larson saves it. Right. <laughs> you know, watching him slide through turn four, you know, I don't know how many guys could could have that battle. You He's know? still got second place. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's like I know he's still got second place, and it's like you're watching two guys who have have their like Madden numbers pegged at 99. You know, <laughs> it was just dueling it out. It's just oh, it's just fantastic, man. It was, it's just fantastic. It was pretty spectacular. I I don't really have a good place to do this. So here's here's what Kyle Busch had to say in the media center after the race. I thought he was going to pull a slide job, and uh, when he didn't try to do a slider, then um, I wasn't sure what his next move was going to be. I was like, surely he's not going to drive inside of me. And then uh, he did. And so after that point, I was kind of like, okay, well, all games are off right now. All bets are off. And um, it's wide open here from here on out to uh, back to the checker flag. So, um, you know, he got a run on me off of turn two. After I got in the fence, it just stalled, killed my momentum. And then his side draft was able to propel him by me. I tried to retaliate with a side draft, um, but I wasn't really close enough and wasn't really getting anywhere with it. So he got by me and uh, getting into turn three, it was just about following him in there and uh, seeing if I couldn't cut left under him, if he would slide up, he didn't slide up. So I, I drove off in there as far as I could and, and I got into the back of him. And uh, once I did that and he was kind of sliding loose, I just uh, was trying to get back to the start finish line after that. So it was just uh, <clears throat> you know, a product of kind of once it's done to you, then it's, then it's fair game and it's on, I guess. So um, you know, that's kind of what, uh, what transpired. So after Kyle gets the win, he comes down on the front stretch, parks on the start-finish line. The right side of the car is all ripped off. The right front tire is flat. The car is destroyed. He climbs out. Now, mind you, it's it's hotter than crap. I mean, it was 
I don't think Sunday was Sunday wasn't as hot as Friday, and I don't think it was as hot as Saturday, but it was still hot. And he's been in a car for three hours in the heat, climbs out of the car after this epic finish that how could anybody be upset with this finish? And he is showered with booze. Like I'm standing at the fence and there were so many booze. It was almost frightening. I'm looking behind me to see if stuff's going to start flying because all I can think of is Jeff Gordon and beer cans when he beat Dale Jr. at Talladega. And fortunately, nobody threw anything, so that was good. But there's people booing, flipping them off, just giving them the business. And Kyle made some comments on the TV broadcast, made a little crying face to the camera, which has become quite the internet meme, which I think is spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) And made the comment about if you didn't like that, you shouldn't watch, and basically mocked everybody for booing him and blah, blah, blah. Um, Did... Did we think Kyle was going to do anything different, first of all? And is it a big deal? I mean, I think I mean, it's funny, personally. Yeah, I don't think it's – I mean, I think Kyle – well, isn't that the face Kyle Bush makes all the time anyway? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that just his face? I don't Ouch. understand. Uh, well, and you got to remember with people at the racetrack, majority of them don't have the headset on. Right. So all they see is Kyle Bush, smoke, you know. <laughs> right. And the first thing they go to is, oh, he dumped him. Yep. And and that's and that's fine and that's I mean that's we we've talked on this podcast many times that's Kyle Busch's role right he's, he's the villain like it or not he that's what he's going to be he he can do as many uh, dirty mo podcasts as he wants it's not going to change he's right. the villain <laughs> and fans are gonna you know but you need that you need that guy in sports exactly and that's that's just Kyle Busch's role and and if if uh, Kyle Busch being the villain brings more viewers to the TV next week then. He's doing his job. He's doing a good thing. I'll tell you what. When you get out of the car and you're booed like that, there's two things you can do. Well, there's three things you can do. You can ignore it, which most people aren't going to do that probably. You can try to appease those fans and try to win their respect, or you can give it back to them, and that's what Kyle has done. Give it back to them, yeah. I mean – they they asked Joe Gibbs about it in the in the press conference afterwards, what Joe thought of his driver getting booed, and he said that, you know, he – a lot of people boo them. A lot of people cheer them. It's just part of it. And yeah. NASCAR fans are passionate, and they like they like the passion. And as long as they're passionate about something, they're good. Yeah. So. What's the old Dale Earnhardt quote? Remember, you know what he told Jeff Gordon: Make, as long as they're making noise, yep. doesn't matter what noise it is. As long as they're making noise, you're relevant. Right. And uh, <laughs> it sounds like, uh, from your perspective, Kyle Busch is very relevant. <laughs> yes. Uh, very loud. Quite relevant. Which is good. The, here's the thing. I mean, let's let's look at Kyle, and just evaluate for a second. So he is a gigantic days of thunder fan, right? He is a huge days of thunder fan, loves the movie. He's numbered the cars in his truck series entries by the numbers from days of thunder. He drives the 18 car, which was, you know, not, I mean, yes, he inherited it through Joe Gibbs, but it's the 18 car from days of thunder. And Kyle identifies with a character from the movie. He doesn't identify with the good guy, Cole trickle, no, he identifies the with the bad guy. So right. what do you expect? <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, that's that's the thing. So like I'm, I'm good with him playing the role. I like him playing the role. I like the fact that people get fired up about it. I get a little annoyed when they really got a bellyache over it. And it's like, OK, so hate him. Anybody but Kyle. Great. But don't I'm not watching this sport because Kyle. like who gives a crap? Like, come on. You should want to watch the sport because of Kyle Busch. The, the people are saying how they wanted him to just get out and, and and, you know, be vanilla. And it's like we had vanilla. We had we have seven championships worth of vanilla and nothing against yeah. Jimmy Johnson. He's Still a great driver, but he is vanilla as vanilla can be. And he doesn't have he doesn't move the needle like like Kyle Busch does because of that. And it's good to have somebody that does that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's got it. NASCAR. And he's not the only villain in NASCAR. He's no. just the biggest. He's Darth Vader. Right. You know, he's he's he wears the black cape. Right. And, and yeah. And he, he he's I, I Joey do some, Go ahead. Just real, real quick. If Joey Logano did the same dump. It, not, well, it's not dumb. I, I should, let right. me rephrase that. If Kyle, if Joey Logano did the exact same move, he would have gotten the booze. Probably not quite as bad, but pretty bad. Right. It would have been the exact same thing. Brad Keselowski's probably in that boat, too. Oh, All those guys yeah. are. Especially. Yeah, especially in, like. any, it, now, if Brad Keselowski did it at Michigan, he oh, might get away with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe. 
Kyle Busch can't do it anywhere. No, no. <laughs> That's what makes him Vader. But now if the roles were reversed and Kyle Larson spun Bush to get the win, Kyle Larson, oh, that yeah. place, they would have torn that place down oh, yeah. cheering for they Kyle Larson. They would have loved it. They would have loved it. Which is good. I mean, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like, I like the fact that we have a rivalry here, regardless of yes. the fact that Kyle Larson has never gotten the best of this rivalry. He's never beat Kyle Busch in this rivalry. Yes. But we have a rivalry here, and it's a friendly rivalry. They both yeah. respect each other. They both said it in the media center after the race. They respect each other. They, they race each other the way they want to be raced. And it's great. This is what we need. Yeah, they're the two best wheelmen in the sport, and right. we need them oh, to yeah. we need them to collide yep. more often. And you know, Larson, to, to his part, did everything right. He just got in front of Kyle a little too soon, and yep. <laughs> Kyle, you know, well, he said that he 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 didn't want to get in front of him because yes. he didn't want to open up the rear bumper. But see, that's the thing too. Again, I want to go back to this, and I've, I've, I I wish I'd have been rating notes as I left the track and as I drove home, which obviously I'm not going to do while I'm driving the car, but I had so many, I was listening to Sirius and every time somebody would say something, it's like, I had a counter argument. I had something I wanted to say. I could talk about this for hours, although I've forgotten half of what I thought about, but here's the deal. These guys aren't stupid. They're excellent drivers. They know how to wield these cars and they know how to spin somebody out. And if Kyle was trying, if Bush was trying to dump Larson, He'd have hit him in the corner, not dead center in the rear end of the car. Yep. You yep. don't spin a guy out hitting him in the center of the rear end. You do that to move him up out of the way to try and get past him. You're not yep. trying to wreck him. And he wasn't That's trying the, to wreck him. Exactly. It's a classic short track move. Only yep. they were doing it at 180 miles an hour exactly. on a mile and a half track. He just exactly. gave him a good hard shot in the butt. I've right. done that at the go-kart track racing my buddies. We go into a, we go into a slower corner and I'll just ride them right up into the, you know, yep. right up into the outside. Don't put him in the fence, but get him out of your way. You're right. faster. You're, you're moving him. See, that's not how I race, actually. When I race at the go-kart track, I just dump him. <laughs> I don't race clean, man. What are they going to do? Penalize me? Like You don't yeah, get penalized exactly. at the go-kart track. Right. I mean, a win's a win, exactly. man. Yeah. So, win's a win. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to this a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But this Chicago race was full of storylines and there were a lot of great storylines in this race. This was an excellent race at a track that's been terrible. This was an excellent race from the, from the start and without the ending, I would still be praising this race um, because there was so much that was interesting that happened. So probably the biggest storyline of the day was Stuart Haas. They were the cars to beat all day. Um, yeah. at, at one point there, it, it was really interesting. I actually made note of it. At one point there were three Stuart Haas cars, one, two, three, and none of them were Harvick. <laughs> Harvick was back like sixth or seventh at that time. So everybody had a great day for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then we had, and I, I wanted to pull some of the audio from this, but I didn't get a chance to. We had what I will refer to as the Clint Boyer implosion, which was just, it was, it was painful to watch and sitting there in the press box and we're all discussing it. And it's like, oh my God, he didn't stop. He needs to stop. And so... He, he gets he speeds on pit road, essentially, which Chicago is notorious for speeding. I don't know which section he sped in, but Chicago is notorious because the last segment of pit road is really short. And so all the drive, a lot of the drivers were warned before the race. Don't go red on the on the lights in that section, because if you even hit the red, you're speeding. And so Boyer speeds on pit road during his pit stop, comes back in to serve the drive through penalty, speeds again on the drive through penalty. Now, NASCAR's rule is once you get penalized for the penalty, you have to make a stop and go. So he comes back around and somehow the message didn't get to him. He says he was just frustrated and wasn't paying attention at the time. Um, he didn't stop. And so he drives through again. Now he has to come back around, do the stop and go and come back out, finds himself three laps down, still able to battle back to get back on the lead lap. And what he finished fifth, wasn't it? Yeah, he ended yeah, up. Fifth yeah, place. he ended up fifth. Yep. Yeah, it's like, somehow, holy cow, somehow, somehow some way. because he was spectacular. He was really one of the best cars on the track. Yeah, and this he, is what he did. I was just going to say what he did on Sunday is one of the reasons I have a hard time taking him seriously. Like, how can you just be such a such a bonehead sometimes? <laughs> I just feel like that's, you know, you know what I mean? It's, you know, this was gonna... this was Mark Martin coming down on pit road on the white yeah. flag lap type of screw up. This yep. was this was Jeff Gordon pitting on the wrong end of pit road under green flag at yep. Bristol type screw up. Yep. I Dale mean, Jr. Was missing big. his, missing his pits. How many times in a row? Remember, you know, he, you right. know, it's, I just, gosh, 
dang, Clint, you're you, you look how good his car is. He's still got fifth place, and yeah, all he has to do is you know just be a little bit a little bit more patient. That's all. But I guess if you're gonna make a stupid mistake like that, do it when you've already got two wins on the season and you're in the playoffs. Oh yeah, he's good to go. <laughs> he ain't got nothing to about. So meanwhile, the other Stuart Haas guy, one of the others, Eric Almarola, also had a super fast car, probably the fastest car of the day, I think. This one ticks me off. Keep yeah. Going. So <laughs> fantasy a, related. Yeah. Gets a loose wheel. I haven't even looked at fantasy to see how it went. See, I picked, I made sure Truex was in my lineup because oh. of where he started. Cause I figured that would help me out. I had Almarola uh-huh. and I was really feeling it, feeling pretty good. So Almarola then- gets a loose wheel, has come back in and pit uh, right at the end of the stage works out for him because he gets the lucky dog gets back on the lead lap. But then they had another loose wheel, which I haven't, heard whether it was the same wheel or not a lot of times when you get a loose wheel you'll break something or damage something and you'll end up with loose wheels the rest of the day um that may be what happened it might have been something different the crew i was listening to the scanner the crew was saying they they checked with everybody everybody gave a thumbs up all the tires were tight all the lugs were tight but he definitely had a loose wheel the second time came back down pit road and basically threw the race away at that point um was not able to to recover from that uh, let's see, where did he end up finishing? Uh, 25th on the day. Yep. So, um, My favorite stat from the race, Eric Amarola led 70 laps. <laughs> that is the, more laps in one race than Danica Patrick led her entire career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was. I believe when that happened, too, was right about the time he had led the most laps that he's led in a race in his career. Yeah, it's I, I right it, up Yeah, It's yeah, right up there. I believe it. Yep. I believe they were saying that in the press box. So. So Almirola has trouble. Boyer has trouble. Kurt Busch ran well as well. He was leading at the end of stage two coming out of turn four when Mr. Harvick, his teammate, decided to make a move on the outside. Both of them got loose. Harvick kind of pinched himself into the wall. Uh, Busch almost spun out, and Harvick passes him to get the stage win. I also wanted to pull audio from this, but I would have had to bleep the crap out of it. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, did you listen to Radioactive? I've not listened to Radioactive. I listened to it. See, I, here's the thing. Here's here's my strategy for a NASCAR race, all right? I always go with the scanner. Generally, I listen to TV broadcast. Now, I was not listening to TV broadcast because in the press box, they have the TV broadcast going. So I was actually scanning channels. But I always make sure, even if I don't program all the cars into a race, I program the Bush brothers into my scanner because if anything happens to them, I want to listen to what they have to say. And <laughs> Curtis top on the list of making sure that program. So as soon as I saw that happen, I flipped over to his radio and they did a really good job on NBC of censoring the audio um, Jesus. because from what I heard, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what. how they were going to bleep it out because it the was... guy who did all the bleeps <laughs> needs, to, needs a pay raise. Yeah. That sounded to me like the old Kurt Busch. It wasn't just oh. that incident. He had multiple, multiple incidents with the radio he on was Sunday. So mad. And I liked what Jeff Burton said that, man, it's racing. This is they're racing for. A playoff point. Good grief. Does, teammate doesn't matter, man. And that's, I'll tell you what, if, any, if anything, it shows you that there are no team orders at Stuart Haas. No. I mean, none whatsoever, which is great. Yeah. I think that was excellent. Kurt should not expect his teammate to sit back there behind him if he's got a faster Heck car. No. And Heck that's no. stage racing, man. That's what, what that's what NASCAR created yeah. with the stage racing. And it yeah. worked to perfection. Love it. I yeah. love it. Oh, Kurt was mad. <laughs> yeah, mad all day. He was oh. mad all day. Yeah. All right, so those were probably the big storylines on the day, I think. I don't think I missed anything. Um, like I said, those were the interesting ones. It was interesting from that point on. And then and watch – oh, the other thing that was really interesting, um, which I'm sure they didn't show it on TV, but I'm sure they talked – I know they talked about it a little bit. Um, on the green flag, of course, we had four drivers. They had to go to the rear because of inspection issues because they did an inspection after qualifying instead of before it. We won't go into all the details of that, but one of those was Martin Truex Jr. And – he passed half the field on the first two laps and he just, they took the green flag and he went right to the wall. He went to the Kyle Larson line right off the wall and just mowed him down. And he was flying like the first lap around I'm looking and it's like, I know that's his car, but man, that can't be his car that far up in the field. And sure enough, it was. And Jimmy Johnson started back there too. Jimmy wasn't able to make the progress at all that, that, uh, that Truex did. It was just, yeah. it was really impressive. I mean, he was, at the end of stage one, I think he was seventh or sixth or something like that. It was it was pretty impressive. You know, if you look at the top five finishers from this race, that's your power five on the season. Yeah, that those are the guys. Those are your legit 
title contenders. I don't care if Larson has a win or not. He's shown me enough. That yeah, you're right. Didn't... I mean, there's nobody else that I could pick in there that's no, going to be. Those are one no, of those players. It. Will be one of those the five is your champion. Yep. One of those five. I agree with you. That's... I, yep. And I, I, I'll even throw Clint Boyer in there. He's yeah. He's, he's good enough. Yeah, and those I mean, five. he was he was good at at, at Chicago. I think Chicago is going to be really similar to Homestead, and other than the heat. Um, yep. You know, it's it's a wide track. They run the run that high line and low line and all that. So, and it's an older the older asphalt. I think that running well at Chicago is going to bode to running well at at uh, yes. Homestead as well. So, oh, and that's the thing with with Larson. That's why you can never count Larson out. Every time we go to one of these tracks, he's mm. there. Oh, and he never left that wall hardly at all. He was. No. I cannot like Larson he, two years ago would have hit the wall a bunch, and he never hit the wall, and he was just. He did brush it. it once at, right toward the end. Yeah, right towards the end. He yep. brushed it once, and that and it was almost to me uh, when we, you and I, were at Eldora that one year, and <laughs> he just kept pounding the wall off turn four. I was like, oh boy, here he comes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was gonna, I was getting good memories back. With Larson. <laughs> I love when Larson's chasing somebody down and, and banking it off the wall. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, how about uh, anybody else we really want to single out as far as winners and losers on the day, James? Well, at the, at the beginning of the podcast, I said you witnessed history, and the history I was referring to right away was uh, you got to see the Paul Menard poll. Yes, yes, and the second the, one in ten years. The Almost very ten years. rare, the very rare, rare poll sitter gets no laps led. <laughs> yeah, well, and that, the the part of that was, and they talked about it on uh, Dave Moody talked about it on Sirius yesterday, and he had a really good point that because of the way they ran the enhanced schedule this weekend for the first time, they were supposed to do it at. Uh, I forget where else they were supposed to do it. Pocono, maybe. I don't know. They were supposed to do it another track, but they got rain. So this was the first time they did it. And basically, they had, we had, first of all, it was a four race weekend. They had ARCA, truck, um, Xfinity, and Cup. But Friday, they had truck practice, truck qualifying, and Xfinity practice. But the Cup cars never got on the track. So they got on the track. They had two practices on Friday and then qualifying after the Xfinity race, just like we used to do back in the old days, except. Usually that used to be Friday. Um, so they had qualifying after the Xfinity race, and then that was it. It was an impound race. So those guys that were up front aren't always necessarily going to be the guys that run well in the race because maybe they had more of a qualifying setup on it, which is like what we, did. Can we take more practices away every uh, weekend? I thought this weekend, I think this enhanced schedule was perfect. Now, it was a little annoying as a media member because they had to go through inspection after qualifying, which means inspection didn't finish till like 1030 at night. I did not stay for that. I left for that. Um, yeah. I was not as dedicated as, as like the uh, Claire B. Langs and Bob Pockerses. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it was it – was, uh, it, 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 that was the only flaw to it at all. Otherwise, yeah. I think it was spectacular. I think it was great that there was something – you run these Xfinity races at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then there's nothing happening at the track the rest right. of the day. Why not run qualifying or practice yeah. after it? We used to run should... happy hour after the yeah. Xfinity race at Michigan. I'm not one to push an agenda. I try not to push agendas out there very often, but two practices, half an hour each, done. Yeah. I'm even all right with doing the, what what they have, 55 minutes or something like that for their practices. Get these, keep these cars off the track until it's time to, you know, let them get, let them try to dial it in real quick. But if you're, if you're messing around and you're not getting through inspection or whatever, and you miss a practice, that's your fault. Yeah. And I, here's the thing, like, um, Kyle Busch, they talked about, they came out, they, they unloaded off the truck terrible. They never got it fixed in practice. They didn't have time to get it fixed in practice. And they were terrible in the race. There's an audio clip of Kyle Busch going plowing, 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 plowing <laughs> on the radio and managed to get whatever they needed to do Let, with the adjustments yeah. to get to the finish and get, get the win. Exactly. So, I mean, yep. that's these guys are good enough. They can they can get away with that stuff. And make it, yeah, make you make work. your in-game adjustments, yep. just like any other sport. And I'm I'm totally fine with impound races. I think qualifying's pointless anyway. So why not give those guys that really want a shot at an upfront parking or upfront parking spot, upfront starting <laughs> spot, or I was thinking pit stall. Up, you know, a good pit. You were stall trying pick. to, you know, you were thinking about the the walk from the parking lot to the media center at Chicago in 115 degree weather. Yeah, that's actually, they, that's a whole other story. Um, but anyway, it, I. I'm good with the with with the impound thing and let let people yeah, play some strategy too. to get a get a better starting spot, but sacrifice the race. But yeah, I think the way that they did the schedule this weekend, 
it was busy. There was a lot more running around and a lot less downtime for, for media and whatnot, but that's good. I mean, I, I don't want to go sit at the track with, and wait for stuff to happen. I want stuff to be happening all day. So Certainly, yeah, I think it was, it was a good setup. It was, I really like this is the first three race weekend, three NASCAR race. Cause I've been, when they've run Arca, but Arca, Arca runs like a late model show. Really? They, they run their little bit of practice and then they qualify. It's really not like other series. It's not like a NASCAR series of the practice that they get. I really like the three day, truck Xfinity cup show. It was, it was interesting. It was good. There was always stuff happening. Um, now if we'd had weather affect it, then it starts to get hairy because the schedule's so tight that a little bit of weather really screws it up. But right. Fortunately that held off till after the race. So, um, anybody else, uh, Ryan Blaney started outside front row. He ends up 18th. He really was nothing throughout the race. Yeah, led 19 laps, but, there, you know, the laps were pretty dispersed out there. Kozlowski led 16, yeah. Boyer 21, Harvick 39, so. I like the fact that, and we'll, we're going to talk a Austin little bit about Dillon. Chicagoland coming up, like, just in general the weekend, but I like the fact that they could run people down and yeah. and pass. That was that was nice. It was good to see. Hot, slick asphalt. Yep. So, um, Trevor Bain, 26th. Uh, let's see. Nobody really jumps uh, out at me. Michael McDowell, 21st. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a nice little grand. jump for him. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse was in everybody's way. Yeah. And, and uh, so was Ryan game. Newman. Yeah, Ryan <laughs> Newman, too. Yeah, the two of them. Yeah. Boy, Ricky Stenhouse was getting yelled at by everybody out there. Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, Boyer mad at him. He had uh, Larson mad at him. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Daniel Suarez comes home with an 11th place finish. He had to go to the back because of unapproved adjustments before the start of the race. Worked his way back up and then had a speeding penalty, I believe, during the race, yeah. too, and still managed to get 11th place. So good good on uh, him. Alex Bowman has been very quietly sneaking out top 10s. Yep. And got another one. That's uh, that's two in a row. Yeah. So Eric and, Jones in sixth place, I mean, really didn't even see him, didn't even notice he was there. That's another one who kind of – yeah, he had two sneaky good finishes in a row, too. He had, uh, he had a good run at Sonoma and – backed it up with another good run at Chicagoland. Right. Really, if you weren't a Stuart Haas car, nobody noticed you were there until the end of the race. And then right, Kyle Busch yeah. and Kyle Larson came out of the woodwork. But really, it was it was Stuart, a Stuart Haas day for, mo- for the most part. But it wasn't one specific Stuart Haas guy running away with it. And like I said, the one that you expect to run away with it wasn't the guy running away with it. He still got third. Yeah. But Harvick was really a non-factor all day for the most That's part. That's got to be so demoralizing to the other teams to know, like, even though Stuart Haas didn't get a win this weekend, it's like, God dang, you've got those four bullets out there. And like, what are you supposed to do? Right. <laughs> it's just, it's a full, it's just a full cannon of, of cars that are just good grief. Yeah. They're tough. So who's the low man on the totem pole at Stuart Haas right now? In your opinion, uh, is it, it's still, or is it, is it Eric? I think it's still Amarola. He had a good mm-hmm. race, but he's still not, I mean, He's only he led 70 laps, but he's led 71 laps on the season now. So right, let's uh, if he would have pulled off that Daytona 500 win, then he would have you know, you know would have had something. But they're all, I mean, throw throw a blanket over, you know, <laughs> yeah. the entire team. They're pretty they're pretty much all right there. It's just Harvick's getting the wins, and you know Boyer's you know got his too. So yeah, yeah. There's I don't know if there really is a low man on the. T- I'd rather be the low man on the totem pole at that in that group <laughs> than probably anywhere. You know the best the best driver anywhere else probably but gibbs so yeah yeah i'm with you uh let's see dale jr we talked about him in the booth this week i did not get to fully listen to it like i said it was on in the in the press box but of course i was paying attention to other stuff too um Uh what did you think of dale jr in the booth james uh uh, dale did dale did very well um he brings a i haven't heard very many people say that this but this is my opinion he brings a youthful kind of vibe to the booth okay um he's very slow paced talking but i think that's just the southern you know that's just the southern boy in him right uh but dale's very articulate he does a good job i don't know how i feel about the four-man booth right now but uh you know if if that last lap of the race is any example of how it can work it, it really did dale was not stepping over rick allen they they bounced off each other pretty well Rick was still able to call the race as as the lead man, and Dale was able to inject his enthusiasm. I think that is what he's there to do. He's in, he's there to to inject enthusiasm, and, and he did it. Right. And it was a great stage for him. There was a finish not too long ago on Fox that was a really close finish, and I don't remember which one it was, but 
it was it was more recent enough that Jeff Gordon was in the booth, and here's Mike Joy, arguably the best NASCAR broadcaster ever. Certainly, in my opinion, the best one now. Nothing against Rick Allen, but Mike Joy is Mike Joy. And right. here's Jeff Gordon and Daryl Waltrip just talking over him and not letting him get the call out. And that's yeah. you don't get that on NBC. They were, despite the fact that they were making comments and saying things on that last lap, Rick Allen got the call, and that's the way it should be. He's, yeah. he's the play-by-play play guy. Yep, he's the man. Um, and- I thought... I was I liked the explanations that I heard Junior give. I thought he gave a lot of insight from somebody who just got out of the car. Basically, mm-hmm. um, he was really able to provide some some good explanations of things, which I was expecting. Um, just based on the stuff he talks about on his podcast, I was expecting a lot of really good stuff like that. And uh, I liked the fact. I, I, I guess he I think he tweeted something or put something on Facebook or something or maybe it was his his Periscope after the race or whatever Facebook Live said something about how he'll get better. He's working on it. He'll get better. And it's like, I don't want him to get better. I like the fact that he wasn't polished. I like listening to that slide jobs comment, you know, (laughs) at the end of the race. (laughs) I love that. I I want that in the booth from some, that's, that's what I expect Dale Jr. to be. I don't want Dale Jr. to turn into a broadcaster. I want Dale Jr. to be Dale Jr. Dale Jr. is, for NASCAR, the natural evolution of what play-by-play is going to be and what yeah. it has had to turn into the great, the great uh, tie-in with other sports. If you are a big football fan is Tony Romo, right? He comes off the field, goes into the booth and he is fantastic. Yep. And that's, uh, he, he, you know, Tony Romo's had zero broadcast experience, but he goes out there and he's great. And Dale Jr. Again, he you know Dale Jr. is a good talker. He's had the podcast for a few years, and you know he's he's familiar with you know with speaking. Obviously, he's been doing it for you know, right. a long time in the public eye. So, my um, prediction. I don't know if I've it. made this on the podcast or not. I put it on Twitter though. I think Dale Jr. is going to have a bigger impact as a broadcaster than he did as a race car driver. It's possible. That's my prediction. I see Dale Jr. as a you know a Buddy Baker type you know, Benny Parsons type role that he has this huge impact as a broadcaster. I yeah. mean, not, not to belittle his NASCAR career because I still think, you know, I, I know that he's, you know, maybe overrated in the fact that he had fans that weren't there because of his success as a driver, but I still think he was a very successful driver. Absolutely. And so I don't want to belittle his career at all by any means, but I think he's going to have a bigger impact in the booth than he, than he did on, on the track. That's my, yeah, opinion. I'm, I'm surprised at how many people were interested in watching the race just because he was in the booth. I see, I see there's, I see issues with that, but also I see good things with that. Right. You know, if you're getting eyeballs to the, to the, to the TV broadcast, that's a good thing, no matter you know what it takes. Yeah. And some and of those see, eyeballs saw an excellent race at Chicago. Yeah, this weekend, that's good. You know? Yeah, they did. And Dale jr. Um, you know, if, if he's bringing eyeballs, he's doing his, you know, he's doing his job and hopefully down the road that levels off and people aren't tuning in just because it's a Dale jr. Called race. Right. Hopefully they're tuning in because it's a good race, but Dale jr. Adding to it. Um, yeah, definitely. I think he's, he'll get there and I just don't, don't become too polished. Just be yourself. Yep. I think NBC was a nice, you know, refreshing change to broadcasting and again, yeah. I don't want to bash Fox. I have bashed Fox on here. I still think Fox does an excellent job. Um, but, you know, Fox has the goofiness. Fox has the playfulness. Yeah, I was just going to say, NBC is a more mature broadcast. Now, I'll tell you what. If Fox doesn't go to other race broadcasts during a rain delay, their rain delay coverage is going to be more entertaining than NBC's is. Um, ESPN was the same way. ESPN had great you know, by the book coverage. But when a rain delay happened, it was boring because they wouldn't goof off. And the Fox guys will goof off with the drivers. That's way better during a rain delay. It's way better than when you're killing time. But right. during an actual race broadcast, I like the seriousness and, and not that they're dead serious. They still joke around and stuff, but it, it, it just seems like a more mature broadcast. Yeah. It caters to, it caters to a smarter fan, yeah. which is good. It's not the boogity boogity boogities. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wish the boogity boogie would go away. It's, it's like three seconds. Why does it bother me? But God, I hate it. <laughs> All right. We love, we love you, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, really quick. I want to hit on the truck series race, which I just saw you highlight. You're not deleting on me in the show notes. Are no, you, James? No. Right. It, was an, it was an accident. It was better an accident. not. Better not. Um, I wouldn't do that to you. All right. So 
again, all three races I think this weekend were excellent. The Truck Series race on on Friday night, the Overton's 250, was spectacular. Um, Brett Moffat, this guy didn't. They didn't know if they were coming to the track on Tuesday, and Friday night they win the race. It's his third win of the year, I think. Yep, yep, three wins. And I mean, he's solidly in the playoffs. They they did talk about in the press conference that they probably, if they wouldn't have gotten a sponsor, they probably would have come and, and did the start and park thing just to keep him in the running for it. But didn't have to do that. They got the sponsorship on the car, um, and and Brett Moffat gets the win. John Hunter Nemechek going to, into turn one in the last lap runs out of gas. Originally, uh. they thought he blew up, but no, he ran out of gas. Um, video afterwards showed the gas man. They only put one can of gas in the car, in the truck on the fuel, last fuel stop or last pit stop. Man, that's a bummer for them. But Brett Moffat comes home and gets the win. And, uh, again, just spectacular race. Lots of action. Perfect cautions falling at the right place. Chicagoland is just turned into – Chicagoland is turned into California, which yeah. has turned into a spectacular track. Um, it was excellent. So, anyway, after the race, I got a chance to ask Brett Moffat, with, with the sponsorship issues aside, if they can get that resolved, does his team have – what it takes to uh, to win the championship. Here's what he had to say. Hell yeah. <laughs> I got I got Shiggy, who's a great owner, and and he put the right people in places. Um, you know, starting with Mike Creechy and Scott Zipidelli, and I I don't see a weakness in our team at all. Um, everyone is so motivated, and everything we've had to deal with that's been a little bit of a distraction. Um, just getting to the racetrack. I think once we fix that part, we're only going to get better and better. And, um, you know, these guys do a great job of shutting all that off and just focusing on the race truck. And that's why we can still go to victory lane even with this much of a distraction. So I think if we fix that end, we're going to get better and better. So basically, I mean, they're running against equipment, you know, a lot more money than uh, <laughs> than than what, yeah. they're, what they're running with and, and beating these guys. And that's... That's pretty pretty impressive. I mean, what they're doing there is is excellent. It's got to be applauded, and uh, and it's it's really cool to see what they're doing for sure. And quick note, Scott Zabadelli, don't you feel like he's worked for every team in the garage? By <laughs> yeah. the way, I just every time he he's is... up there, I see him up there, and it's like Scott Zabadelli. Let me make sure that that's really Scott Zabadelli Jeez, because oh, man, man, it seems like he worked for a different <laughs> team. Yeah, that's funny you say that. Yeah, he's just been I when. <laughs> And I didn't even realize this. Shame on me! I didn't realize Scott was his crew chief, and uh, my God, that is—he has—he has crew chief some dudes. I had to do a quick search. Right. He's crew chiefed everybody from Ward Burton, Travis Quaffle, Jason Leffler, Boris said, Kenny Wallace, a young Alex Bowman, Patrick Carpentier. I got a couple more. Hold on. <laughs> Travis Pastrana, <laughs> Kenny Wallace again, Kyle Larson. He's. He's crew chief to everybody. It's crazy. Nice. nice. Yeah, anyway, it does, I just, it does seem like he's he's everybody's crew chief. So yeah, like, I heard that. If I don't like, know who the crew chief is, it's probably just Scott Zipidelli. It's Scott Zipidelli. Yeah, yeah, he's crew chief to everybody. That's fantastic. So Moffat said after the race, they, excuse me, they're good for sponsorship for Kentucky uh, coming up. That's the next Truck Series race. They have Bristol and Eldora. They need to get sponsorship for, and he mentioned Homestead at the time, but then. Uh, Shiggy Hattori, the team owner, announced there that he does have a sponsor for Homestead. They have a new sponsor that's coming in for Homestead. So um, so they got two races to fill, and otherwise they're good to go for the rest of the season. Fantastic. Uh, I, I, think, I think these wins will probably help those two races. And uh, I think – Yeah, sponsorship or not. A win yeah. in the truck series is big for a team like that. Right. And so they get a good chance that we might see somebody like him uh, contend at the end of the end of the season. It would be pretty neat. That's so. cool. Heck of a driver. Yeah, so definitely. Deserves it. Um, let's hit real quick uh, on Chicagoland in general. Just wanted to, to bring this up. Um, again, all three races I think were spectacular. Um, so here's the thing, and I wanted to mention this. And James, I know you're gonna jump up and down. You're gonna applaud. You're gonna be so happy I'm for not, this. You know what? I'm not gonna say a word. I'm just gonna let you be you. Do so your thing. Here's what was great about Sunday's race: is it was there was nothing manufactured about this race. There, we didn't put restrictor plates on the cars. We didn't change the arrow on the cars. We didn't put sticky stuff down on the track. We didn't make a figure eight. We didn't put cones in the corners to try. You know, nothing was manufactured. This was a good old-fashioned finish. There wasn't even a late race caution. 
I mean, nothing to set this up, and we had this spectacular finish. And I think that goes to show you, and it's it's helped me a little bit because I, you you know, I've been skeptical about the All Star package, but I like what it kind of give, gave us the opportunity for. But I think this showed us that we don't need to fiddle with it. This stuff, you know, we remember these races, these excellent races. So much better. Just so much better. Right. Yeah. Well, you, you remember, well, but the thing is, is you, you think of all these great races. Okay. You you think back Ricky Craven and and Kurt Busch at Darlington, you think back to, you know, the, the Daytona 500 where they wrecked on the backstretch when they were on the first, the, the first time on TV live broadcast, you know, you think of these big finishes, you think of Davey Allison and Dale Jarrett at Michigan battling to the line. Um, you know, Jeff Gordon and Kevin Harvick in 2001 at Atlanta, these excellent races. And you go, man, those, I just want it to be like the old days when that stuff happened all the time. It never did. It's mm-hmm. never happened all the time. It's all, there's a reason why I would say arguably the race Sunday, it is possibly one of the top 10 best NASCAR cup finishes ever. It is definitely in the top 20 best all-time NASCAR finishes ever, Cup Series finishes ever. There's a reason why this sport has been here for 60 years or whatever, and we, we're talking about a top 10 finish because they don't happen that often, and that's what makes them special. If this happened every week, who cares? Exactly. You know, and we, we remember all these great races that happened in the past, but we don't remember, you know, I, I guarantee you, we go back and look at that race in 91 with Dale Jarrett and, and uh, Davey Allison coming in the line, Let's see how many cars were on the lead lap in that race. Let's see how many right. passes were there, how many lead changes. You know, we don't think about all that stuff. We remember that finish. and yeah, You remember the moments. I think, you know, I, I get that mile and a half creates some stinkers, but maybe we just need some stinkers to have these good races every now and then. Well, and I think for, you know, when you can close your eyes and see the finish and hear the call, you know it's an all-time great. Like, right. you know, one that people – probably remember you know when it's in as soon as it as soon as they hear the track it kind of clicks Watkins Glen yep Marcus Ambrose Brad Keselowski Kyle Busch how fantastic was that you remember the call you remember Kyle sliding and and uh, just a great finish there and this is this is kind of in that realm with that finish yeah um you know you you this is one you're going to remember you're going to remember Kyle Busch slapping the wall twice and Larson charging and you know sliding through turn four it's just this is why sports are special. There's there's just moments, and you get them. You, you know you don't get them every week, and you shouldn't get them every week. Right. You know you, you get a great finish at Daytona, and you you know you, you move on to the next to the next week. But uh, this is what it's all about. This is why you this is why you're a fan. It's it's a great rejuvenation for for NASCAR fans. I think. No, I don't expect to have this every week. No, I don't expect to have this even at Kentucky in a couple of weeks when we go back to the mile half mile and a half again. Um, but this has put me in the camp of, I'm still interested in the all-star package, but I am no longer in the camp of let's do this. (sighs) Welcome. Welcome, Eric. (laughs) We'll take you with open arms. Now, that being said, I wouldn't mind having a couple tracks, say Michigan, for example, or an Indy, if it works there. Let's throw yeah. it on at a track a year or yeah, like, yeah, you know, absolutely. a couple tracks a year, maybe a total of two to four races, preferably two and leave it at that. I am yep. totally down with it being the all-star package from here forward. Total. It's, yeah. it's perfect for the all-star race. Yeah. If we're going to stay at Charlotte, that's fine. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I, hey, you and I had a really good talk about this last week. I think it was last week, right? We had a really good talk about this. I think so. I don't. Yeah, where we, you know, we had talked about mail. Maybe if you, if you have two dates on the calendar, you do yeah. one as a one as a package and one as yep. you know one as a standard. I, I think that was a pretty good resolution that we had we had discussed, and that's that's something that I'm for. But I'm definitely for take, keeping the plates off at all possible. That's kind of my my stance. Yep, I, I think so. I don't. I mean, I I was skeptical about the restrictor plate to begin with. Restrictor plate yeah. concerned me. Period. Um, I think, and I don't think NASCAR necessarily is thinking about the restrictor plate full time either. Oh, I yeah. think they're testing with the restrictor plate to see what they need to do to the motors. And and people need to remember, a restrictor plate was never meant to be a uh, an enhancer of of no. a race. 
No, it's it was made to keep cars safety. out of the fence. Yeah, it's a safety feature. Which it's it not hasn't a... done a really great job of, but I no. guess they don't get airborne like they used to. It doesn't. It makes Talladega and Daytona a lot of fun, but yeah, yeah. Other than that, it's not really a, you know, it's not really there to enhance your enhance the visuals of a race. It's exactly. There to keep you safe. Exactly. You know what else was great about this weekend, James? What? Yeah. <laughs> That's what was great. Hey, about every this every time we talk over each other, we should. We should play the slide job. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, really quick, because we're running long, and I figured we would, but that's okay. A um, couple news items real quick to, to hit on. Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal, who I think we quote about every other podcast for having some yeah, big news Yeah, he's items. becoming a regular. Um, he notes that uh, Kurt uh, – well, let me see. I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, all four Stuart Haas drivers are expected to return next year, according to him. Um, that's what Stuart Haas is telling – uh, him at Sports Business Journal. And uh, just of note, Kurt Busch had a one-year deal this year, which means he would have to re-up with Stuart Haas. Um, is there any reason to think that wouldn't? I mean, I think with the way they're running, there's no reason to think that there'd be any yeah. any concern with re-signing them, right? No, and I, and I I think that 41 car is, is kind of Gene Haas's baby. Yeah. So as long as Gene wants Kurt to stay in that ride, I think he's secure. Right. I think that's the way that that 41 car has been handled even, you know, ever since Stewart, you know, came on board and it was a two car team for a while. Um, you know, when they expanded to three and, and then four cars, I think, I think Gene's been kind of in control there. So, yeah. Um, if, if Gene wants him and he's going to have him. So, yeah, with the way they're performing this year, I don't see that as any surprise. I wouldn't think it'd be real difficult to get a sponsor if monster goes somewhere else. Um, but with monster leaving as the, well, I guess next year they're still on uh, with Cup, so I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I'd be surprised if anything changes. Yeah, next. I'd expect that car to look the exact same next year. It's going to be primarily funded by you know Haas, and then Monster's going to be on there too. So right. Um, the other news item that I wanted to hit at real quick is uh, during the Dale Junior podcast, Dale Junior Download podcast uh, last week, Denny Hamlin said something that was interesting, and, and this was, I think. I guess it was recorded as we were doing our podcast, so we wouldn't have been able to talk about it last week. So Denny says that the, that NASCAR is considering midweek races, and we also learned, which I didn't put this in the notes, that he's part of a secret driver's council that is different from the driver's council we are all aware of. God, Denny Hamlin. <laughs> it was, I'll tell you what, and I don't know that there's a whole lot to discuss here. I think, I think it's known that once this, once this contract runs out with the tracks that we're going to see some big schedule changes. Yeah. We may see some consolidation of the schedule. And I think we're definitely going to see some midweek races. And I love the idea of the midweek races. I'm totally on board with it. Yes. And All short tracks. Yeah. yeah. Do it. I'm, <clears throat> I'm good with it. So none of that is, is news, but the, the, the secret council is pretty interesting. And, and I'll tell you what, if you didn't listen to the Dale Jr. Download, listen to that this week or last week's with Denny Hamlin. Denny's an inter interesting guy. He's got a bad rap, rap because he's put himself in some situations, probably not responded the best to those situations, but uh, he seems like a pretty interesting guy and kind of, I guess he's kind of shy and quiet. And so it makes him look unapproachable, he, he says, he claims. Um, but, uh, but it was an interesting interview with him for sure. So, yeah, he's one of those guys where he handle he, where the way he handles himself, the way he carries himself has been a, de you know, a deterrent. To <laughs> they, they called it the resting Denny face. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it was pretty good. Um, there is something he's doing right though. He's had FedEx on that car his oh, entire yeah. career. And, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin being on a secret driver's console is the most Denny Hamlin thing that's ever, <laughs> right. that's ever been known. So, and Dale, um, the Dale Jr. Download is also on NBC sports. Now I believe they show it on Thursdays. Yeah, they do I, a half an hour, uh, re up, I think. Yeah. So check that out. If you, if you're not in the podcast thing, which you listen to us, you probably listen to podcasts. I would hope, um, sure. check it out, check out his podcast, which you'll get the full, full thing. But, uh, if not, check out the NBC thing and, Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I had a did we care? We missed it last week. This week we kind of already talked about it. I'm skipping it. So let's talk about this weekend. We are going restrictor plate racing this weekend. It is a Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. I have not checked the forecast. I know everybody was complaining last week that it was supposed to be hot and rain this weekend. So hopefully that goes away. But, uh, yeah, what do we expect for Daytona? I think uh should be some good racing, right, James? Oh, yeah, I love the Coke Zero 400. Well, Coke Zero Sugar 400. Yes, come on, sure get, it right. get it right. Yeah, it's still the Pepsi 400 to me. 
Yeah, <laughs> the Firecracker 400. Exactly, it should be the Firecracker 400. You're right. Firecracker. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love I love the July race at Daytona. Yeah, it's one of the best. It's one of the best of the year. You want to talk about a hot slick track? This is it, and that's part yeah. of the reason they run it at night. Yeah. Is they couldn't get people to show up during the day anymore. Yeah, and there, I think uh, I've, I've heard drivers say this a few times that it's definitely the the 400 is actually probably the harder race to win out of the out of the two if you compare that to the 500 where right. um you know under the lights hot slick track um driver ability really plays a little bit more of a factor and um yeah i just i think ford's gonna be tough as mm-hmm. they have been at daytona and talladega and uh, other than that i think we're gonna get a good show yeah how about you i agree and i really don't have anything else to add to that so you get the first <laughs> pick so go ahead james who are you picking this week for daytona uh, I got the first pick going into a stricter plate track. Yeah. That's an interesting. Should I uh, just put it down right now? I know who you're going to pick. Yeah, put Brad down. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I I toyed with uh, Joey, but uh, Joey's got his win on the season, so I'll go with Brad's yet to win, which is kind of strange. So I am going to – I you're going to laugh. I get the next two picks, so I get to pick my dark horse. I think two. I might know who you're going to pick, but let's hear it. You're going to laugh because – well, okay – who am I going to pick as my, my actual pick? Who do you think? You're, I think your actual pick, I think you might go with Eric Almarola. Yes. I'm going to go with somebody who I would probably give you a dark horse pick for if you wanted to. But I'm going Eric Almarola, and I'm going to go right with that, and I'm going to take Bubba Wallace as my dark horse. Ooh. And I'm going with both of them. I think they both ran excellent at Daytona in, in, in uh, February. I think Almarola is... I I like I said I would give him as a dark horse pick, but I would have I have no problem yeah. saying not really because I don't know if he qualifies. The way he's been running lately, he's yeah. almost getting out of dark horse territory anyway. Yeah, I almost picked him this week too. I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. that's funny. So wow, your, that's a good pick. Who's that's your dark really horse? Pick. Um, man, you know I was looking through the list and just, <laughs> why is Justin Marks is up there with a twelfth place finish, which is funny. <laughs> Austin Dillon's that. really good there too, by the way. Yeah, we should we should at least mention that it's re- Daytona 500 win. Regardless, he's been really good. Right. Uh, dark horse though. Man, I'm gonna go with the that 88 car. I okay, think Alex that's Bowman, a good one. I think Al- yeah, I think Alex Bowman's figuring some stuff out. I think he's gonna run really well. That would have been my alternate. I think I, I would have gone with him. So that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. I smell campfire, which is really odd because none of our windows are open. <laughs> yeah, That's a that little concerning. A so maybe we should wrap up the podcast pretty quick here. So yeah. anyway, um, I probably no need to mention the fantasy league. Is there? Did I, did I win this week, James? Probably not. I honestly, I didn't even look. I was so frustrated that I just picked my lineup and I got the heck I'm out of. I'm sure Todd won. Todd probably did I'm sure win. He did. I'm sure he did. Um, so anyway, like I said, this past weekend I was at Chicagoland. If you didn't check out the coverage, uh, check it out on the superspeedway.com. There's all kinds of stories up there. I didn't do as much photography as normal, but uh, um, just had a blast. Got to uh, got to experience Chicagoland Speedway, which was pretty great. And uh, definitely plan on going back there. And uh, yeah, so check that out. I will be at Kentucky Motor Speedway in two weeks. And then Eldora Speedway for the truck race right after that and doing Michigan in August yet as well. So if you like what I'm doing, would like to see me do a little bit more of it, uh, hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash the super speedway. Uh, become a patron and, uh, and contribute a little bit. Uh, that uh, We're not going to, you know, you don't have to pay for anything. All this stuff is available to you. There might be some exclusive stuff on Patreon uh, once we get some people to sign up, but you're not going to be missing any NASCAR coverage otherwise, but we'd really appreciate it if you like what you're seeing. If you want to support us and, uh, and and get us to more places, and I'll go to as many tracks as I can afford to go to, but uh, right now I'm at my limit. So, um, so yeah, if, if you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com slash thesuperspeedway. Uh, thesuperspeedway.com is our website. You can find us on social media during the week as well. James, where can they find you on Twitter? James Cush on Twitter, K-U-C-H. There you go. Spell that. You can find me at T Superspeedway on Twitter. I tweeted a crap ton this weekend from Chicago. I'm doing the same thing from Kentucky and Eldora. Well, probably not as much at Eldora. Eldora I'll be shooting photos at because there's no press box at Eldora. So um, if you want to find us on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash thesuperspeedway. Website is www.thesuperspeedway.com. You can find our podcast on there, show notes, uh, stories. I've been doing my take, which I need to put mine together for this week after Chicagoland. I've been doing that for the last couple of weeks, so look for those. 
Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Uh, wherever you heard it today, we hope you subscribe and continue to join us. This weekend is Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona International Speedway. It is Saturday night, 7.30 p.m. on NBC. The, uh, the big network gets it, and the Xfinity Series runs the night before Friday, July 6th. The Coca-Cola Firecracker 250, 7.30 p.m. on N- uh, 7.30 p.m. race time, 7 p.m. broadcast on NBCSN. Camping World Truck Series is off this weekend. They will be back at Kentucky Speedway. Did I miss anything? I think I got it all. I think you got it, man. Yeah, I think I think we got it. Just one more thing, though. I'm, I'm, I did miss this. Watch out! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could listen to that all day. It's great. Oh, all man. right, with that, it's Daytona International Speedway this weekend. Restrictor plate racing this weekend. We will be back next week. Uh, squeezing some time before I head off to Kentucky to uh, talk about Daytona and get you guys a preview on Kentucky and everything else in NASCAR. Until then, let's go racing. Uh-huh.